Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Minimalist CEO Podcast with Nate Lindquist. Nate created the Minimalist CEO Method to help business owners redefine and grow their businesses by finding new demand in places they never thought to look where there's no competition. By following his opposite thinking strategy, Nate's coaching clients have grown their business up to 40% in just two months and created tens of millions of dollars in revenue. Nate himself has launched more than 140 businesses. On the show, Nate interviews successful business owners and experts who share the secrets you can use to have a better business and a better life. Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Nate Lindquist with the Minimalist CEO Podcast, and we're working every day, every week to make the podcast even better, more hard-hitting, more focused on what it means to focus on what's essential, to cut away the waste, to create a lifestyle that you love while doing business that helps people. And one of the things we're really focused on right now is turning competitors into clients. So, And that's something we're really excited about. So um, getting rid of that competition traffic jam. But I'm here today with our amazing new guest, uh, we just get all the, these, these great business owners who've done things that open up our minds and change our thinking. And uh, I'd love to introduce everyone to uh, Pavel Stepanov, the founder of Virtue Desk. And uh, I'm going to let him explain what he's up to, what he's doing. But uh, Pavel, thanks for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Nate, for uh, hosting me. Thanks for the warm welcome. Uh, well, what I do, I am a founder of, as you said, founder of a, a Virtue Desk. Virtue Desk is a virtual assistant company. Uh, we provide highly trained and uh, virtual assistants for small, medium-sized businesses. So, if you are, a, you know, solopreneur or entrepreneur, or you actually run a big company, virtual assistants is basically what, like, if you, you know, roll back, let's say, like 10, 15 years ago big Fortune 500 companies were outsourcing all of their labor to India, the Philippines, or other countries. And now, small-time, small business owner can actually get the same what Fortune 500 companies used to have. You know, so basically, we bring, we, you know, bringing this gap together so you, everybody can get a VA and, uh, you know, scale faster and with the least expense. Mm. Yeah, I can tell you when I look at, you know, some of the I'd say epiphanies, breakthroughs that I've had over the years, it really has come down to like, find someone who really loves what you're doing and wants to help, who's able to help in something and watch what happens. And the the virtual assistant, I mean, for me, I remember reading that in four hour work week from Tim. I was Ferris. about to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Tim like I, I, yeah. I read that and he's like, you know, outsource the stuff that you hate, but also the stuff that you're never going to get to. And then you find out like, you've got this room uh, like the stuff you're doing to get by and survive moves to like, hey, we really ought to be doing this thing that's even better. And uh, suddenly you move from like survival to really showing up for your clients, really doing better sales and marketing. So if you look at, you know, there's a lot of people that have virtual assistants, Pavel. So I'd love if if part of what you could share here is what is it that makes your virtue desk unique as it compares to maybe sort of all the other options that are out there? You know, people do a search all the time. Um, yeah. 
and they find all these options. I mean, you search in Google, there's all these options for virtual assistants. So what puts you guys at the top of the pile and in what category or what niche do you, do you love to thrive? Well, we actually mostly, I'd say probably about 80% of our clients are uh, real estate companies, real estate brokerages, or individual agents, because my background, I've come from uh, real estate. So we kind of started out in that niche first. Uh, so we trained our VA specifically in, in that field, but now we are actually branching out to different industries. However, what sets us apart since, let's say you can you can always go to like, you know, any Philippines board or Facebook group and find a VA cheap and, you know, do it yourself kind of a thing. Well, what we do more of a, like a a la carte kind of approach, you know, like a white gloves service. Yeah. You pay a little bit extra. However, we vet all the VAs ourselves. We, you know, we look for them. We interview them. We vet them. We also do background check, uh, all of that. Plus when your VA starts working for you, uh, you also get our company as as a package deal, whereas we're managing the VA, we're making sure the VA is getting all the benefits, the medical benefits, uh, retirement benefits in the Philippines, because we also a corporation in the Philippines, as well as in the US. So you kind of get the benefits of both. At the same time, let's say, you know, something happens, life happens, your VA resigns, gets hit by a bus, got forbid or whatever, we can simply provide a replacement and train replacement on your systems that you already have. So for example, if your VA, let's say resigns, you don't have to start from, you know, from scratch, you pretty much, the system's already there. So we can easily uptrain a replacement on your stuff and she'll be, he or she will be, you know, good to go very quickly. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I think the idea that might be one big fear objection, like, Hey, listen, you know, I've had a number of VAs. I think a lot of people have tried VAs and the experience right away is they didn't show up or I couldn't get them for three hours, six hours. And it was like, Oh, the power went out in our side of the country or, you know, not to be disrespectful, but there's a lot of weird stuff that happens that I think is we don't expect. So you've, you've covered one point, but I want to jump on to, as you're talking, I'd just be curious, what was, you know, in, in building this together, working with teams overseas, working with teams in the United States, you're located up in Seattle. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome? And what did you do to improve your success in the process? Well, one of the biggest challenges is obviously, uh, you know, hiring the right talent for the team. And uh, when you are hiring somebody overseas from here, you know, people always present themselves in the best light possible. So, so you got to have good people there, uh, you know, so to say like boots on the ground to verify everything, to make sure you actually, all the household items are being covered because as a customer, when you hire a virtual assistant, you see only one side of the equation. You don't see what else go, what, what goes in the back of it, the payroll, the medical benefits, the different life events that come up, uh, you know, like, wow. as you said, power outage. Uh, so you have, so we first did yeah. is just build out the infrastructure for all of that. So we have the bandwidth to be able to provide uh, services to our clients and be good at it. And that's what was the obstacle, I guess. Yeah. But uh, with the right team in place, we've, we were able to actually overcome yeah. a lot of them. I mean, we still have obstacles. It's just, if we didn't, we wouldn't be in business. It's just, you know, everyday things happen. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what do you think if you looked in your business or you had to get started, how long you've been in business? Just uh, it's our fifth year. It's going to be five year. years okay. in December. Yeah. And what, how big is it? Have you gotten the company from the standpoint of revenue and team members? Um, I think we're about at uh, over 500 uh, team members at this time. Okay. And um, we're in revenue. We're, I believe, in the 
I want to say, I don't want to say exact, exact amount because we're going to find out at the end of the year for my accountant, but we're a multi-million dollar company. Awesome. So getting that point, getting that point, you must've had some turning points where you just like starting a business for anyone's challenging. So could you maybe define what was your biggest turning point where sort of you had this, maybe this old view of what you were doing and why it was going to be great, where things just started to click and fall into place and kind of turn the corner. When did you turn the corner? COVID. Okay. That's it. That's the only word I'll tell you, COVID. Because what happened is when last year, when everything like went into the lockdown, mm-hmm. nobody had any idea what the hell was going on, man. I spoke with different CEOs, different companies and people, nobody knew what was going on. So at first we saw like people were scared. They didn't know what's going on. However, they figured out, well, business got to get going. Everybody's working from home. So, but we as a company were set up to work from home. All of our staff was actually working from home. So we were actually able to grow during that time. Like during like probably a couple of months after COVID started, we were able to grow uh, I want to say like probably 70, 80% of the company. Okay. Then when a lot of uh, call centers in the Philippines closed shops because of COVID, because of restrictions, because they have way higher, way tighter restrictions than we ever had here. You know, we didn't have, we didn't even have a fraction what they even still have over there. Checkpoints going from one city to another, uh, you know, uh, military enforced quarantines. So all of that and people couldn't go to work. So they were like left without jobs. So, so we went in and scooped up a lot of talent from those call centers. And since we were actually equipped to work from home, uh, we were able to provide them with our software that they could work from home. So we could, you know, have the connection with them and pretty much uh, have the bandwidth that would support and allow us to bring the talent. So we could able to, we were able to actually place them with clients. So COVID was actually the turning point for us. Yeah. I mean, if you think about virtual teams and the idea of what yeah. Zoom did during the COVID time, I mean, Zoom, Zoom video and, you know, Zoom became sort of a household name, like, you know, with all the kids and yeah. everyone doing it. And so, well, it's great that you got through that. It's great that you're able to carry your team through it. I, I would love it if you could just share maybe some of the stuff as you build the business, you know, how you start to create clutter and you're really busy, you get a lot going on. You can't just give everything to a virtual assistant. So a big part of being a minimalist CEO is about what you cut away. And I think the first thing uh, that you cut away are distractions. So what were some of the distractions that got in your way or maybe the things that were not the best use of your time? Maybe you could share a little bit about what they were and how you got rid of them. Yeah. yeah. Even like um, the morning routine that you, let's say you open up your emails and you have a lot of emails, like probably 70% of them are going to be irrelevant or some of them would would require responses. So my team members actually monitor my emails, so I don't go there. And at least that's a lot of, it eliminates a lot of distraction, to be honest with you. Because if you get, if I'm, I'm the kind of person when I, I'm, I'm wired that way, if I get an email, I want to respond right away. Because if I don't, I'm going to forget about it. So, but that actually takes out a lot of time out of my schedule doing what I'm doing. So my team members are already monitoring all of that, only bringing to me, bringing to my attention what's actually important. And what actually needs to be addressed personally. Otherwise, they address it. Okay. Same thing like uh, whenever posting on social media. I mean, I hate posting, but I do. But a lot of times my team members actually go to like LinkedIn and post and reply to messages. Uh, So if you come to think of it, a lot of those tasks, they seem minimal. They seem like unimportant, but they really take out a lot of time out of our schedules. If you come to think of it. So eliminating all of that was actually very helpful. Yeah. Just a basic idea, you know? 
Now, one of the things you noted, I've noted uh, in sort of when we talked initially and also in your background and your bio is this idea that a lot of people aren't focusing on revenue generating activities and that's right. You know, things that have a direct impact on the bottom line. So could you expand on what happened in your business and maybe some of the results that you're able to get and maybe tell me, share some of the shifts that you actually made and what sure. it for you, if you could. Sure. Well, for example, we are, let's say, you know, working with a lot of real estate agents as you know our clients. Okay. When I have conversation with real estate agents, and I also own a brokerage, a real estate brokerage here in Seattle, we have uh, 80 agents here. So a lot of, and what I was observing before even Virtual Desk was started, when I was observing what they were doing, a lot of agents were focusing on things that actually would probably cost like 10 bucks an hour to do, mm. if you come to think of it. You know, for example, prospecting calls, you can make prospecting calls yourself, or you can hire somebody to do them for you. Administrative work, like organizing the database in a CRM, all of that. Let's say you're a business owner and um, you need to focus on sales. You need to speak with your customer. I was telling real estate agents, you have to be focusing on three things, meeting with clients, negotiating deals and closing them. That's what you should be focusing. All the rest must be outsourced because all the rest is all this uh, noise that it's there, it's necessary for your business to run, but it actually costs way less than your time to outsource it to somebody who can actually do it for you, get paid for doing it. You basically buy your time back from this person. That's what you do. If let's say your your hourly rate, for example, $100 an hour, why would you be spending your time doing tasks that cost 10 bucks an hour? Make sense? Yeah. So you think getting a virtual assistant for prospecting, virtual assistant for clearing up your email, maybe dealing with social media, social media, social media marketing, answering emails, uh, customer service, answering phones. If it's a real estate company, you know, doing the transaction paperwork, going back from you know between you know the contracts, all of that. That all can be done with a virtual assistant by somebody who actually spending time doing it and doing it every day, and probably frankly, doing it already better than you are. So, so yeah. there's virtual assistants that are really good at prospecting and following up and all those kinds of things to get people yeah. onto the maybe appointment setting too. Exactly. That's exactly how I started with a virtual assistant myself seven years ago. I hired the person to actually do prospecting calls for me so I can go to the appointments, meet with the people and actually close deals. You know, So that was my job. My job was not just to sit on the phone every day and call them. I, I mean, I've done it before, but then I figured, I mean, I, if I could spend this time actually meeting with people instead of, you know, calling and prospecting, then it would be probably better use of my time. So she was scheduling the appointments. I was going on appointments and closing uh, deals. That's what I was doing. That's the idea I came to, to actually scale it on a bigger level. Wow. That's great. I mean, I think a lot of people who have businesses tend to keep themselves really busy. And, yeah. you know, I've heard it said recently and, you know, the idea, this, this idea that busy is lazy, you know, you haven't put a system in place to handle the things in your business. You don't understand your processes. So, um, you know, I think this is huge. I think it's a good reminder. I believe it's the part of, uh, like we talked about the four hour work week that inspired me the most, like go yeah, you know, me too. Tim, <laughs> Tim said, yeah. So it hit you too. He said, go get help with a virtual assistant, have them, have them assist you with anything and watch what happens to the rest of your ability to start to sort of delegate, to elevate. And frankly, Nate, I mean, we are making money so we can actually enjoy lives, enjoy mm -hmm. our lives. We have to, you know, spending time with family, uh, spending time with kids, watching them growing up. That's in itself has value that you cannot put a dollar amount on. 
You know, if you bury yourself with work, if you have this work hard uh, kind of a hustle going on all the time, you're missing out on more important stuff in, in your life that's yeah. irreversible. So, yeah, you you do spend time with your family and uh, your business shouldn't be suffer because of that. Also, at the same time, when you spend a lot of time in your business, your family life may suffer. Your friends may suffer. You know, you still got to enjoy life. You know, we don't know how long we all have left. So life is not just about making money and uh, staying busy in your work. Make yeah. Sense? I face that all the time. I mean, even, even though I teach and I coach and I mentor and I, I show business owners how to create a lifestyle of freedom. Sometimes I find myself wanting to be available because I really love helping people and I love solving problems. And it's like, then I look up and I just worked, you know, it's like, I took that early call at six 30. I took the, uh, the call at eight 30 at night. And next thing you know, it's like, wait a minute, I've, I've kind of like regressed back into this storm of, uh, always being pulled into someone else's deadlines, someone else's yep. problems. Some, and, uh, you know, I love the idea of not only having a virtual assistant, but I also think here's the way we do things. We have a process. Here's the people in the system that execute their piece of the process. Yep. Say no to everything else. You know, I, I would imagine you're good in business. You already have a couple of businesses, maybe more than you've shared. <laughs> have you found yourself in that situation where you've had to say no to other things that, might oh, yeah. some entrepreneurial, you know, opportunities. Uh, yeah, a few times. Yeah, a few times. Because again, I mean, I'm focusing on several things that I'm doing right now, and I mean, I've been bombarded with different, you know, opportunity calls, but I've turned them down again because again, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that busy. Frankly, you know, another thing, as I said, life is not only about money. You know, life is about living. Yeah. You know? I mean, if you're gonna have the money and you're not gonna be able to spend them and work yourself to death. It's not good either. So yeah. there has to be balance. It has to be balanced. And that's what uh, the balance you know, comes in when you actually outsource or leverage some of the help that needs to be done. But if you're basically being just pulled in everywhere and uh, you got to go, I mean, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So you have to go you know, at your own pace at this. You know? Yeah. So yeah. You, you think of this as sort of a, a long, you know, think of the long ball. Think about how you want to play and keep your, you know, pace yourself and uh, make it the long trip, not just, you know, constant little sprints all along. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you can build your own legacy. You can build your own, uh, you know, I'm not saying just a company and sell, but build the legacy. I mean, you have life to live, you know, you have to be remembered by something, not just only the guy who constantly worked. I mean, life consists of uh, moments that are, you know, memorable and valuable to all of us. So well, I have a couple more questions, Pavel. Yeah. And I think one of the best ways to shine a light, I mean, I got to be a mentor by making tons of mistakes. So I would love to know if you could tell if you have any stories that you could share. I mean, we're all business owners. We got stories. If you could share a story where you made one of your bigger mistakes and maybe look back, you got into this business What's one of your biggest mistakes as you forget about just this business, but just along the journey of becoming a business owner, what are, what's one of the bigger mistakes that you made that maybe could help our listeners, you know, start to think about and be like, wow, that's, this person got through it. I can too. Well, one of the biggest mis uh, mistakes would be to actually dwell on the mistake. Okay. I don't dwell on them. I just move on. Okay. I just move on and I don't even remember about it, man. I just don't even bring it back. For example, I went to law school. Okay. I wanted to become a lawyer. And at a point in my life, uh, when I was about to graduate, I figured I made a mistake of actually going to law school because I, I didn't want to be a lawyer. 
you know. But again, uh, you know, societal stigma more of a like, okay, you have to you have to graduate, you have to go to law school, you have to go, you have to get a higher education. So, so a lot of people maybe in that predicament who right now in college or uh, in grad school, they're thinking, okay, well, I have to get it done, you know, because if I don't, I'm not gonna be in life where I want to be. This is just all wrong. Just this, just disregard it seriously. So I thought at the moment I made a mistake of actually doing it. But again, I graduated. I got my diploma. But then I started doing other stuff. I went to business. And at the moment, because law school gave me a lot of experience as far as like educational academia, how to read contracts. I know all of that stuff, how to you know think critically. But it also comes with a lot of debt. Yeah. So, so you cannot do uh, that. So you, you hit on a little bit. do that. Yeah, you cannot do that. You hit so, on a good nugget here, here, uh, Pavel, and I think I want to. I, th- I think shining a light on it would be really helpful. This idea yeah. of, I think we're taught finish what you started. You don't follow through. And I think if I look at when I made my biggest mistake in business, it was continuing to fight to grow something that I had found a degree of success in, and I was doing well in it as a marketing firm, and I was doing spinoff firms, an illustration firm. Yeah. And I found I held on to the, the growth strategy and marketing firm deck. You know, we're actually doing the do, doing the work, digging the trench of all the graph design teams and illustrators and videographers and yeah, yeah, yeah. all stuff. And my biggest mistake was finishing what I started. So there's kind of two, a double meaning there, isn't there? Like finish what you started might be, I mean, put the stakes in the ground and be finished. Hit the finish line. Yeah, yeah, you have to finish. Yeah, exactly. Else. I know exactly. Yeah. And the other it's side of it like, is, yeah, yeah. Don't finish. Don't it's not finish it. Become what you want. That's exactly what I was Don't getting finish. to. You know, and that's what my regret was like. I went and finished it. Okay, it didn't give me anything. What I, you know, would help me. However, I incurred a lot of debt because of that. Okay, yeah. so it took me a while to get out of from the debt to pay it off to pay down the student loan to pay it off. Okay, it took a couple of years to do that. However. You know, experience of going through that just because you had to finish it. Same thing whenever if I'm not advocating for or against college education. Okay. At no way I'm not doing that. Okay. However, if you don't feel that this is something you should be doing, but you feel the societal pressure to finish it, don't finish it. You know, that's just what it is, you know. But that's probably one of the, as you said, one of the mistakes. But again, I don't dwell on mistakes. Yeah. No, I dig that. I think that's a big insight. Yeah. And I also think the idea is people love to get to work, but if you don't have a virtual assistant, you probably are going to get to $10 an hour work when you could be making 500 bucks an hour. And you may never Correct. know what that feels like if you don't free up your time and give yourself some space. Correct. Correct. So yeah. I'm going to encourage all of our listeners to go check out Virtue Desk to go find out what it means to you know put someone in, even if it's just part-time to get a taste of it. And yeah. you have a part-time option I noticed on there. So I think that oh, yeah, we do. Yeah. if someone, you know, as a business owner, I think the idea is like, listen, go find a way, sit down, have the conversation, make a little list of, Hey, listen, if you could do these things, not only would it, don't think of it as improving your business. Think of it as freeing yourself up. What would five or 10 hours a week look like that you could buy back? If you could buy by five or you 10, buy back. buy back your time. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's a brilliant way to look at it. This is huge, Pavel. And I think that would be my recommendation for everyone as a takeaway from this if they got nothing else. So I'm actually going to answer my last question. What's the big takeaway? I think they need to check out VirtuDesk. I'm not even, I promise everyone, I'm not an affiliate. So I'm simply saying yet, I'm going to say yet. I dig what you're doing. I'd like to check out what you're doing. I'm committed to taking a closer look at it. So you and I will have a call after this, if that sounds good, Pavel. Sounds good, brother. Sounds good. Well, this has been a great interview. Uh, First of all, Pavel, thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your experience and for giving us a different perspective and our listeners a perspective on 
both the concept of having a virtual assistant, but also just the idea of like, I think one, I think the biggest takeaway from all of this is that you were going to be an attorney <laughs> and you didn't finish what you started, yeah. but yeah. no one ever starts over. You always take what it is you figured out along the way with you. And then you can start something that builds on that, that is pumped, that you're pumped about, that you're excited about. And I can tell already that you're digging what you're doing. You're doing well at it. Obviously you're on the podcast. And thanks so much for being on here, Pavel. I really appreciate it. Of course. It. Thanks for uh, hosting me, Nate. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So to all our listeners, again, I'm Nate Lindquist. With, this is the Minimalist CEO Podcast. Uh, we're coming back at you every week with uh, a whole new depth of how business owners overcome challenges, what they can cut away, You know, sometimes doing less but better. Big shout out to Greg McEwen, also Tim Ferriss for all the work that you've done. Um, I will say I'm going to give a shout out to another book that I'm reading right now that's been awesome, just as a little tip or an idea. It's uh, Christian based, but you know, for you know, it's not. I'm not suggesting it just for religious reasons, but I am going to tell you that it's a phenomenal book that really gets you thinking. It's called the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. So I'm going to recommend that again. I'm not an affiliate. I'm just. I really enjoyed the book. I also enjoyed the one thing and uh, essentialism. But uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Please download it and share it if you found this helpful. Put a comment in. Put a review. Let us know if you have someone who you think you'd love to have on the podcast, or if you're interested, if you hear this, like, listen, I really got some insights. I went through some challenges. I made some mistakes. I want other people to learn from that. That'd be huge. And um, look in the show notes to learn about Pavel Stepanov, uh, the founder of Virtue Desk. This stuff that he's doing is really, really good, uh, really helpful. And yeah, this has been a great time. So again, Pavel, thanks a lot for the time and thanks everyone for listening. And we'll be back real soon with the next episode. So check back in, make sure you subscribe and I'll talk to everybody soon.